Welcome. There is only one psalm written by Ethan the Ezraite. It's Psalm 89. But who was Ethan? Well, he may have been one of the temple musicians, but the clearest reference to him is in 1 Kings 4.31, where Ethan the Ezraite is described as one of the wisest men in the world at the time of Solomon. My name is Keith Simons. I'm a Bible teacher from England, and you're listening to our talks on how to understand the King James Bible using the Psalms. Each time we look at a section of the book of Psalms, word by word and verse by verse, seeking to understand its meaning. Today, as I say, we're looking at Psalm 89. It has the ancient heading, Maskil of Ethan the Ezraite. Maskil, that means a teaching psalm. We're going to learn lessons from this wise man. He's described as Ethan the Ezraite. Ezraite is probably his family name. He probably was descended from the family of a man called Ezra. Not the Ezra after whom the book of the Bible is named. That Ezra was later in Israel's history. First one. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. So Ethan is going to sing and he's going to declare how good God is. Two important words he uses here for the rest of the psalm, mercies. It's also translated loving kindness. He's going to sing of the character of God, how good and how kind God is for, for, to his people. And he's also going to make known God's faithfulness. That's a rather important word. Faithfulness means God is reliable. He keeps his promises. He does the things which he says he will do. And he does that not just for now, but always, to all generations, declares Ethan. Verse 2. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. Notice those two words, words again. Mercy, faithfulness. God has established his faithfulness and his mercy. These are not just weak things. If you feel kindness, mercy, if you show mercy towards someone, then maybe that's just for one event or at one time. God's faithfulness isn't like that. It's built up forever. God's mercy, he's established it. He's made it something absolutely sure and something that you can trust that God is merciful and that God is faithful. Verses three and four. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I've sworn unto David my servant. Thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations. So here it's God speaking and he's declaring his promises. He said he's made a covenant. He's given promises to the person he's chosen. Who is it he's chosen? It's David, his servant. God says, I've sworn unto him. I've made a serious promise. I've made a promise on oath, a promise that I cannot break to David. Thy seed will I establish forever. David's future family will always rule and God will build up David's throne to all generations. In the ages to come, the king from David's family will rule. Now, of course, David's family did not rule as kings of Israel forever. They continued to rule in Jerusalem for about 400 years after King David. But the promise remains true because from David's family comes the King Messiah, God's Messiah, Jesus Christ, as we discover 
in the New Testament. And he is a king who will always rule. And in the ages to come, he will rule as king of kings and as lord of lords. And in that way, God carries out his promises to David that David's rule was the beginning of the rule of his family, which will never, never end, because the rule of the Messiah will never, ever end. And with that, the author of our psalm writes the words, Selah. We're not really sure what Selah means. It might be a word to praise God, but it usually seems an appropriate point to pause and to think about what we've just heard. And then we continue with verse 5, still on the same subject. And the heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord, thy faithfulness also in the congregation of the saints. The wonders of God, the wonderful things that God has done, the wonderful way that he's worked in the past to support his people, to free them, to set Israel's people free from being slaves in Egypt. And the heaven praises God for this. In other words, the angels in heaven praise God because of his his goodness to his people in the past. But the congregation of the saints, the saints means God's holy people, Their congregation means when they gather together, they praise God for his faithfulness. They praise God that God is true to his promises, that God will carry out the promises that he has made. Verse 6. For who in the heaven can be compared unto the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto the Lord? The sons of the mighty, that could mean great and strong soldiers, or it could mean the captains of God's army, the army of angels in heaven. And can we compare any of them to God? Is there any with his great power or his wonderful character? No, God is truly great. God is greater than anyone in heaven or in earth. Therefore, verse 7, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. When God's people gather together in an assembly, then God is greatly to be feared. That means respected. God's people must respect God greatly. And God is also greatly to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. All those who gather together in his presence, they must have reverence for him. They must respect him. They must declare, verse 8, O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong God like unto thee? The word hosts means armies, the armies of heaven, of angels, the armies of God on earth. Israel's army. God is the God of these armies, yet God is so powerful that he is greater than any of his armies. Who is a strong Lord like unto thee? And if God is strong and powerful, then what about his faithfulness? Or to thy faithfulness round about thee? Yes, that word faithfulness again, God carries out his promises just as he is a strong God, a powerful God, the most powerful one. So he is also the most faithful one. His character is faithfulness. He is true to his promises. But let's speak now about his wonders, the wonderful things that he has done. Verses 9 and 10. Thou rulest the raging of the sea. When the waves thereof arise, thou stillest them. Thou hast broken Rahab in pieces as one that is slain. Thou hast scattered thine enemies with thy strong arm. All of this could be describing how Israel's people 
crossed the Red Sea. Rahab means the proud one. It's a word that can be used for a great sea monster. But it's often, or sometimes, it seems to be poetically used to describe Egypt and the power of Egypt. And you remember at the Red Sea under Moses, Egypt's army tried to recapture the Israelites. But God ruled over the raging or the anger of the sea. He forced the sea to separate into two parts so Israel's people could walk through on dry land. But when Egypt's army, Rahab's army in the poem, when they tried to cross over afterwards, God broke them in pieces. He defeated them utterly. They tried to walk through on dry land as Israel's people had done, but the sea came back and they were as one that is slain. They were scattered by God's strong arm. God acted against them. He defeated their power. Verse 11. The heavens are thine. The earth also is thine. As for the world and the fullness thereof, thou hast founded them. God, everything on heaven and earth belongs to you. Everything that fills the land and the sea belongs to you. All the plants, all the animals, you founded them. You established them. And as we look out at the world around us, we see the world that you've made. Verse 12, the north and the south, thou hast created them. Tabor and Hermon shall rejoice in thy name. The description is of someone standing in the land of Israel and he looks northward and he says, God, you've created those countries in the north. And then he turns to the other side, to his right side, which is translated the south here. And he says, God, you've created that side as well. And then he looks up at the great mountains and he sees them looking across the world. Hermon on the east side of Jordan, Tabor on the west side of Jordan, a much smaller hill than Hermon is. And he says, even those great mountains looking out across the rest of the world, they rejoice in the name of God. Thou, verse 13, hast a mighty arm, strong is thy hand, and high is thy right hand. Strong in judgment. High also could mean in judgment, because uh, when one's hitting someone, one raises one's hand high to hit it down hard on them. But also, raising one's hand high was the way in which you made a promise in ancient times. So maybe again, this is referring to the promises of God rather than his judgments. But verse 14 is certainly about God's judgments. Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. The habitation, today we would use that word perhaps to mean where someone lives. But the Hebrew word means the foundation, the basis. In other words, God, your throne, your rule over heaven and earth are based on what is right. They're based on justice and judgment. You rule in the right way. Mercy and truth. That word truth is the same as the word for faithfulness earlier on. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. God rules in kindness and God rules in truth, in faithfulness. These things are the qualities by which he rules. Oh, how joyful it is to have a God like this, to know the God who is right and good, who keeps his promises. So we say in verse 15, blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. Countenance means face. 
as God looks upon his people, as he smiles upon them. It's as if the light of the sun is shining down, showing them the way ahead, the way in which they should go, the way in which they should walk. And they not only see God's goodness, they hear it. They know that joyful sound, the sound of God's mercy and God's truth and God's promises. Verse uh, 16, in thy name, in God's name, shall they rejoice all the day, and in thy righteousness shall they be exalted. Exalted means to be made greater. God's righteousness is his perfect character. The th fact that everything he does is good and right, that's what makes God's people great. Because, verse 17, Thou, God, thou art the glory of their strength. Uh, glory here means beauty or splendour. It could mean their boast. They boast in God. They declare how great God is. And that is what makes them strong. Because in thy favour, our horn shall be exalted. In thy favour, when you are pleased, our horn. It's a word picture there from the animals that have horns on their head and which fight with their horns. What it's saying is, Israel will be a strong nation when God shows his favour, when God approves of it, when God blesses that nation. Verse 18, for the Lord is our defence. Who defends Israel? But God. God defends his faithful people and the Holy One of Israel is our King, who is holy like God, pure and perfect in every way, so different from people. And although we may have earthly rulers and earthly kings, yet the King who truly rules his people is the Holy One of Israel, in other words, God himself greater than any person. God has revealed things to us. He hasn't just acted for our defence and our support, but he's revealed things. And what he's revealed is the ruler who he wants to look after his people. He's going to be naming this ruler as David in a little while. But when we read about David, we must also think, of Christ, the future King Messiah who's coming. And we've got to be asking ourselves, when does this just refer to David? Or when is David being used as a picture of that Messiah? The Messiah, even. Verse 19, then thou spakest in vision to thy Holy One. Now, God's just been called the Holy One of Israel in verse 18. But we realise that God separates people for himself. God separates people, holy people, like the prophets or like David himself, who was also, as well as being a king, a prophet. And God spake in vision to them. God revealed things for the future to them and said us, and God said, I have laid help upon one that is mighty. So God's chosen someone to be mighty. He's chosen to make someone powerful, like a hero in battle or a champion in war. And he's laid help upon this one. In other words, God has placed a task upon his shoulders for him to do. He's made this one, this king, to be mighty, and he's given him a task which is to help and to rescue God's people. That's the task of the Messiah, but that was also initially the task of King David. God continues to speak. I have exalted one chosen out of the people. So although David was chosen just a young man, just a boy at the beginning when Samuel anointed him king. God chose him out of the people and God has given him honour. 
God has exalted him, made him important. Verse 20, I have found David my servant. With my holy oil have I anointed him. God found his servant, David. And God chose David. God arranged for Samuel to anoint him, to pour oil upon him. And that that sacred ceremony to appoint a king, its function was to separate the king from other people. The oil represented God's Holy Spirit coming upon the king. And although it was many years after David's anointing that he actually became king, yet God had chosen him from that day and separated him and given him his Holy Spirit. So David was God's servant. He was king, but he was God's servant. He was carrying out God's tasks on God's behalf. And what task? To set Israel's people free from the enemies that surrounded them. I have laid help upon one that is mighty. It's his job to help my people. So God continues to speak about David in verses 21 to 23. With whom my hand shall be established, mine arm shall also strengthen him. The enemy shall not exact upon him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. And I will beat down his foes before his face and plague them that hate him. Let's go through that section. So God's hand is with David. His arm is strengthening David. David isn't having to fight these battles against the Philistines and Israel's other enemies with his own strength. It's God's strength and God's power that will be with him. In verse 22, the enemy shall not exact upon him. In other words, the enemy won't force him to pay, won't be able to take taxes from him, won't be able to control him. No, these wicked people will be defeated because, verse 23, God will beat down his foes. God will defeat his enemies. He will plague. The Hebrew word really means smite. He will act against those who hate him. That is, God will act against them. God is on David's behalf. God is fighting with David and for David and bringing him victory in war. Verse 24, but my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him. Those two words again, God's mercy, his loving kindness, his faithfulness, the fact that he always keeps his promises. And God continues, and in my name shall his, David's horn, be exalted. I'll make David strong. I'll make him into a great ruler until the day when, verse 25, I will set his hand also in the sea and his right hand in the rivers. I'll give him a great country to rule over, a country that reaches from the sea all the way to the rivers, to the river Jordan and beyond. I'm giving him power over this this whole land, the whole land that I've given to Israel and how close his relationship will be to God. God's still speaking in the next few verses from verse 26. He shall cry unto me, thou art my father, my God and the rock of my salvation. Also, I will make him my firstborn, higher than the kings of the earth. Okay, let's just go through these. The rock of my salvation. Salvation means rescue and safety. If God is the rock of my salvation, he is, God is, a strong, safe place that I have. So David declares, God, I have my safety in you. God's also made David his firstborn. David is called the son of of God here. Of course, Messiah is called in a very special way, the Son of God, because he is God the Son. 
but David is declared God's firstborn. Uh, the firstborn means the first son in the family. God is giving such great honour to David. God is giving such great honour also to King Messiah. Thou art my son, in whom I am well pleased. Verse 28. My mercy will I keep with him forevermore, and my covenant, the promises I've made, shall stand fast with him. God's mercy, God's covenant are firm and definite. How definite? Verse 29, his seed, in other words, David's descendants, his family after him, also will I make to endure forever, and his throne as the days of heaven. Yes, David will die, but King Messiah will live for always and rule always as king. But, of course, David's children didn't all obey God, and uh, God had declared what he would do about that. Verse 30. If his children, David's children, forsake my law and walk not in my judgments, if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Transgression, iniquity mean evil deeds. If God visits their evil deeds with the rod and with stripes, it means he takes a stick and he hits them and hurts them. But it doesn't mean that he kills them. It means that he punishes them. This is the way people used to punish children. That's not allowed in England now to punish children like that. But in Bible days, children were punished by being hit with a stick. Yet the purpose of them being hit was so that they would learn that their behaviour was wrong and learn the right way to live. Yet, although God would punish David's children, David's family, when they didn't obey him, that wouldn't be the end of his relationship with David. No, far from it. Verse 33. Nevertheless, God says, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. There's our word again, faithfulness. God keeps his promises. The promises that God has made to David, he will keep. This is certain. Why God declares in verse 34, my covenant will I not break or alter the thing that is gone out from my lips. My covenant, my promises to David are certain because, verse 35, once I have sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. We've called God the Holy One of Israel. Only he is perfectly holy. It's his character, his nature to be perfect in every way. And God has sworn by his holiness. God has given a promise that is as certain as the fact that God is holy, that he will not lie to David, that he will keep that promise. Verses 36 and 37. His seed shall endure forever and his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever as the moon and as a faithful witness in heaven. Moon. We get the word month from the moon. Our months are not exactly in time with the rising of the moon anymore. Um, on other calendars, in the Jewish calendar, they are. The moon rises at the same time uh, in the month, each month. And the full moon is at this, in the middle of the month, each month. Um, the moon is faithful. A faithful witness. It, it, it continues since God created it. It's continued to rise at the right time each month. It's continued to take just the same time to go around the skies from new moon to new moon. It's faithful as a witness. And David's throne is going to remain like that. 
The rule of King Messiah in the future is certain, as certain as the sun that shines down from heaven, as faithful and as certain and as regular as the moon. That is how full, how complete God's promises are to David. And uh, the psalm pauses here with the word seller, and we're wondering what's what's coming up next. It's a long psalm. If you're listening to whole talk in one go, you might like to pause at this point, but I'm going to continue because we're going to get a shock with the next section. But first, a moment's pause. And then on to verse 38, when we realise what is the meaning of this great, great song of praise which Ethan has written down for us. We're, all this psalm so far has been so positive. But the truth is that Ethan has been recording these things. He's been declaring God's faithfulness. He's been telling of the promises of God because in the situation he is describing in his psalm, the entire thing seems to have been destroyed. God's relationship with Israel and with David seems to have disappeared totally. Israel is in trouble, severe trouble. The rule of David's family is in such severe trouble that it seems almost as if God has changed his mind. Let's read a few verses from verse 38. But thou, God, thou hast cast off and abhorred. Thou hast been wroth with thine anointed. Thou hast made void the covenant of thy servant. Thou hast profaned his crown by casting it to the ground. Thou hast broken down all his hedges. Thou hast brought his strongholds to ruin. All they that pass by the way spoil him. He has reproached his neighbours. Okay, let's understand it. Thou hast cast off and abhorred. That means rejected. You've rejected David, even though he's your anointed. You separated David from other people by that ceremony. You gave your Holy Spirit to him. He's anointed. But you, in your wrath, in your anger, you've rejected him. Or it seems that way. You've made void the covenant of your servant, the promises you've made, you've turned against them. You've rejected those promises. Uh, David's crown, uh, the, the honour that he has as king, it's been thrown to the ground. Or, or maybe David is like, like a garden, a beautiful garden with fruit. Well, the author of the psalm says, you've broken down the hedges. The things that are supposed to protect David have gone away. And everyone who walks by the way along the roadside, they go into the garden, they steal from it, they destroy it. And what should be beauty, what should be wonderful is a reproach. David or David's family have been defeated in battle. Their enemies have become powerful over them again. The promises of God, they seem to be forgotten by God. How can this be? Verse 42. Thou hast set up the right hand of his adversaries. Thou hast made all his enemies to rejoice. Thou hast also turned the edge of his sword and hast not made him to stand in the battle. Thou hast made his glory to cease and cast his throne down to the ground. What's happened? David's rule, defeated. Defeated in war with a terrible defeat. And the enemies of God's people are rejoicing and laughing and mocking at God's people, at, God, at God's king. How is this possible? Verse 45. The days of his youth Hast thou shortened, thou hast covered him with shame. If your days are shortened, your life is short. You die at a young age. 
covered with shame, ashamed at the defeat in battle, ashamed at these terrible things happening. And we want to know when this is or how this is. And the author of our psalm doesn't tell us because he's deep in prayer, in prayer about this situation. He pauses, he pauses with shock, with another seller, and then he will pray. Verses 46 to 48. How long, Lord, wilt thou hide thyself forever? Shall thy wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my time is. Wherefore hast thou made all men in vain? What man is he that liveth and shall not see death? Shall he deliver his soul from the hand of the grave? We're not sure who's speaking here. Maybe it's God's king who's speaking and calling on God for help in this desperate situation. Because he says, remember how short my time is. God, I'm going to die and never see the fulfillment of those promises. But will this continue forever? Is it possible that enemies can always triumph? What, what happened to the faithfulness of which we spoke? Does God not always keep his promises? Can, can I rescue myself somehow from death that I might see the promises of God fulfilled? Oh God, you've got to act in this situation. Oh God, we're desperate, is his prayer. And with that, he adds another seller before he adds his final, much more confident prayer. And verse 49, Lord, where are thy former loving kindnesses, which thou swearest unto David in thy truth? Former loving kindnesses, truth, faithfulness, truth, and mercy and faithfulness. Remember how we began. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generation. And now that faith, that mercy is called loving kindness, same Hebrew word. And that faithfulness is called truth, the same Hebrew words. God's made his promises. I remember them now. I remember God is the God of mercy or loving kindness. God is the God of faithfulness and truth. God, you haven't forgotten these things. You swore them. In other words, you made a serious promise to David of them. You made a promise to your king. God, I know that you will carry out your promises, even in this desperate, difficult situation. There need be no doubt. God, I turn to you and I ask you to remember because when you remember God, you bring to your mind. And when you bring to your mind, you act in power. So remember, Lord, verse 50, the reproach of thy servants. How I do bear in my bosom the reproach of all the mighty people, wherewith thine enemies have reproached, O Lord. Yes, these mighty people, these strong enemies have reproached. They've scorned, they've laughed at, they've mocked God's people. But worse than that, wherewith they have reproached the footsteps of thine anointed. They've mocked God's king, God's king. But God is powerful to act. God is the one who supports his king. God's king doesn't have to stand in his own strength. No, he walks. He stands in the power of God. These enemies, they are not just the king's enemies. They are God's enemies. The author of the psalm says, Thine enemies have approached, O Lord. Thine means your enemies. Your enemies, O Lord, Will you not act against them? Yes, you will. You will remember, God, your promises. You will remember 
your loving kindness or mercy, your truth and faithfulness, we know that you will act. You will act against these enemies. They've dared to speak against your anointed. And in that, they speak against you. And even though we don't yet see you act, and even though we don't yet see you saving your people or acting on behalf of your anointed, your king, your Messiah, we know that you will do so. And when Christ was laid in the grave, how his enemies mocked, how God's enemies mocked. But we know what happened after three days. We know how he rose again in power. We know how he defeated all his enemies. Verse 52 concludes our psalm. Some people think this is just an ending for the, the section of the book of Psalms. You can divide the book of Psalms into, into uh, five different sections. They're sometimes called books, the five books of Psalms. Um, and this is the end of one of the sections. But I think this section is very appropriate as the end of this psalm. This verse is very appropriate, rather, at the end of this psalm as well as at the end of the section. Because after declaring all these troubles, he says, Blessed be the Lord forevermore. Blessed. I kneel down before God. I kneel down before him and look for God to act. Oh, we've heard about so many troubles, but I'm waiting upon God. I'm powerless, but God is powerful. And I give him honour. I give him honour now. And may that honour continue forevermore, because his promises are forever and forever. Amen and amen. And we're not finished with the word faithfulness, because that word amen in the Hebrew is that another form of that same word for faithful we've been seeing right the way through. We've been speaking about God's faithfulness. And so verse 52 finishes with the words Amen and Amen, which mean that God is faithful and faithful. So then, what do we do in our greatest troubles when it seems as if even God has forgotten his promises? Will we remember God's loving kindness, which is also called his mercy? And we remember his truth, which is also called his faithfulness. We remember that God's promises cannot fail and that God's mercy cannot fail. And then perhaps with verse one of this psalm, we can declare, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. Or perhaps with the end of this psalm, we will pray, blessed be the Lord forevermore. Amen and amen. Please write to me. My name's Keith Simons. My email address 333kjv at gmail.com. That's 333kjv at gmail.com. And now let me read you the whole of Psalm 89. Maskil of Ethan the Ezraite. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant. Thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations. Selah. And the heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord. Thy faithfulness also in the congregation of the saints. 
for who in the heaven can be compared unto the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto the Lord? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints, and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. O Lord, God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto thee, or to thy faithfulness round about thee? Thou rulest the raging of the sea, when the waters thereof arise, thou stillest them. Thou hast broken Rahab in pieces, as one that is slain. Thou hast scattered thine enemies with thy strong arm. The heavens are thine, the earth also is thine. As for the world and the fullness thereof, thou hast founded them. The north and the south, thou hast created them. Tabor and Hermon shall rejoice in thy name. Thou hast a mighty arm, strong is thy hand and high is thy right hand. Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. In thy name shall they rejoice all the day, and in thy righteousness shall they be exalted. For thou art the glory of their strength, and in thy favour our horn shall be exalted. For the Lord is our defence, and the Holy One of Israel is our King. Then thou speakest in vision to thy Holy One, and saidest, I have laid help upon one that is mighty. I have exalted one chosen out of the people. I have found David, my servant. With my holy oil have I anointed him, with whom my hand shall be established. Mine arm also shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not exact upon him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. And I will beat down his foes before his face, and plague them that hate him. But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him, and in my name shall his horn be exalted. I will set his hand also in the sea, and his right hand in the rivers. He shall cry unto me, Thou art my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Also, I will make him my firstborn, higher than the kings of the earth. My mercy will I keep for him for evermore and my covenant shall stand fast with him. His seed also will I make to endure forever, and his throne as the days of heaven. If his children forsake my law, and walk not in my judgments, if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgression with the rod, and their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David, his seed shall endure forever, and his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever as the moon, and as a faithful witness in heaven. Selah. But thou hast cast off and abhorred. Thou hast been wroth with thine anointed, 
Thou hast made void the covenant of thy servant. Thou hast profaned his crown by casting it to the ground. Thou hast broken down all his hedges. Thou hast brought his strongholds to ruin. All they that pass by the way spoil him. He is a reproach to his neighbours. Thou hast set up the right hand of his adversaries. Thou hast made all his enemies to rejoice. Thou hast also turned the edge of his sword and hast not made him to stand in the battle. Thou hast made his glory to cease and cast his throne down to the ground. The days of his youth hast thou shortened Thou hast covered him with shame. Selah. How long, Lord, wilt thou hide thyself forever? Shall thy wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my time is. Wherefore hast thou made all men in vain? What man is he that liveth and shall not see death? Shall he deliver his soul from the hand of the grave? Selah. Lord, where are thy former loving kindnesses, which thou swearest unto David in thy truth? Remember, Lord, the reproach of thy servants, how I do bear in my bosom the reproach of all the mighty people, Wherewith thine enemies have reproached, O Lord, wherewith they have wherewith they have reproached the footsteps of thine anointed. Blessed be the Lord for evermore. Amen. And Amen.